It's time for What's Up with Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. Morena, Prime Minister, how are you this morning? Morena, not too bad, thank you. It's great to chat to you. This is our first chat of 2022 and plenty to talk about. Uh, I wanted to start with the relief. We've just seen the, the funding relief for the arts, music and events sector, which has been welcomed by the community. Uh, as, a, as a first step, albeit, uh, we're, we're seeing, particularly for independent practitioners, uh, the, the $5,000 one-off grant is, is really great. Uh, but what, what can they expect to see after that sort of eight weeks, which that's supposed to be equivalent to of the wage subsidy? Are they going to be seeing a further support package or further support down the line? the situation we're in at the moment is, is quite uncertain. Uh, of course, we, we hope not to be in red for prolonged periods of time, but it's very much going to be dependent on the track that we see Omicron take here. Uh, and so at the moment, uh, that's something that we can only really forecast based on what we're seeing from overseas countries. Um, but we will continually assess when we'll be in a position to lift ourselves safely out of red, which of course means much more certainty for our, um, for our creative sector. Alongside the one-off grant, though, I will just mention there's also the um, Cultural Sector Emergency Relief Fund mm-hmm. and the Event Support Scheme as well. So for any events that are being, uh, that are being planned, um, for anyone who's being engaged in that kind of activity, do jump on the Ministry of Arts, Culture and Heritage website um, for all of the details on those support schemes too. They are fantastic support schemes and, and very, very well uh, welcomed. But we are seeing some concern from venues particularly, though, gig yeah. spaces and performance spaces, that people... Uh, even at Orange, perhaps, we're seeing less uh, people heading out while people sort of yeah. make the decision for themselves not to go out in public at the moment. Is the government looking at supporting those venues through perhaps covering their overheads? Is that something on the table? Yeah, you, you raise a good point. We, we are seeing, um, at the moment, we're seeing you know changes in human behaviour. So... Uh, even when uh, people have got the ability to operate, we're seeing people doing things a little bit um, differently. Uh, and that's actually one of the reasons I, public health measures that give people confidence to go out are really important. Um, that signal that we're, you know, that we're uh, aware of the risk and that we're putting in place ourselves measures to help protect people so they can go out with confidence. So my hope is that they'll see that when things are in a position where we do need to take steps, we take them, and that when they lower, it's because we have greater confidence and that people then uh, mirror that with um, their willingness um, to be out and about as well. That obviously, when we're in red and we're just at the beginning of an Omicron outbreak, you can understand why people um, are taking all of that into consideration. But again, I'd say we've got the seated separated rules, we've got mask rules, and they're all there. Uh, to encourage people uh, to continue to go about their activities but do so um, safely. Uh, when it comes to venues, again, some of those venues are actually covered by um, some of the relief funds. And so, again, um, do go and look at the criteria there. But we're continuing to work with Creative New Zealand and uh, the Ministry to keep an eye on what's needed. Globally, we're starting to see a, a pretty strong conversation about how we can support the arts and music and yeah. event sectors in a long-term and more sustainable way. Is that something the government's starting to talk about for what that could look like here in Aotearoa? Yeah, well, actually, over the course of this pandemic, we've been having this conversation quite a bit. In fact, before it, uh, in particular because it's long been an issue that a significant source of funding in the arts and cultural sector um, comes from uh, lottery funding, and that's something that you know actually has been raised for a long time, that not only can that really fluctuate, 
um, but also some, some often question whether or not that's the right source of funding for the sector. And the same goes for um, the field of sports as well. Uh, we had started work around how could we create uh, a more consistent and predictable and sustainable level of funding. Uh, obviously, with the pandemic, we've been quite focused on getting our sector um, through and thriving. Uh, but uh, I imagine that those are conversations that we will restart. Is, is, I mean, it's come up in the past, but is something like yeah. a universal basic income or, or uh, basic living requirements covered, are these things that we could see happening? Because a big conversation that we're hearing from the community is from these independent practitioners who are having to, especially in the pandemic, hustle lots of side jobs just to be able to be an artist in whatever capacity that is. And, you know, that's not a new problem, but like everything no. in the pandemic, it's really been thrown into relief. Is the government looking at how we could make it actually sustainable to be an artist, a musician in these times? Yeah, well, so um, it, we've tried to make sure that through these times that actually every form of support we've put out, so when we put out the wage subsidy, we did a specific test on the criteria to ensure that our creative sector would be eligible for that. But beyond so beyond really COVID, though, is this something yeah, that we yeah, could no, see? Sure. Yeah, so no, we haven't had discussions around things like universal basic incomes, because as you can imagine, designing a scheme like that and only having it to apply to one particular sector, because it's not something we're considering just universally at this point, would be quite a difficult thing to do. But what we have done, you'll remember the old Pathways to Arts and Cultural Employment Scheme. That was a recognition uh, of the fact that actually, unlike you know many other sectors, there are um, specific... Uh, you know, specific experiences that our creative sector and our creative practitioners will have in their incomes and the fluctuations of their incomes that are not the same for other careers. Uh, we've brought back um, some of the best elements of uh, what was then known as PACE. Um, we're rolling, we're trialling those at the moment um, in the South Island and in Tamaki Makoto. Um, we've redesigned it a bit to learn from what worked well last time uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how that goes, the feedback that we get from practitioners who are a part of it, um, and to see how we can take it forward. With the announcement of the borders reopening in a, a very sort of slow and staggered way, which seems sensible, I, I think, we are also hearing conversations about people returning to Aotearoa, particularly young folks as well. What is there to bring people home at the moment? And I guess this ties into that universal basic income question or, or things that sit in that realm. What do you see? You've sort of spoken about this as a, a new sort of starting point for New Zealand and the way we move forward. What do you see this time as being for us as a country? Is it making you hopeful that we could be seeing some huge social change? Oh, I am hopeful. Uh, you know, we had the opening statements in Parliament yesterday and I used that as an opportunity from from our perspective to talk about the fact that in a... In, in recovery mode, it is not for us about returning to business as usual because business as usual um, was A, an unsustainable way of operating and, and B, we can be better than that. So uh, our uh, focus is in this recovery stage is to make sure that we are transitioning our economy to be more sustainable, to be climate resilient and actually to position ourselves in the place where we need to be, which is uh, ensuring we're fulfilling our climate obligations. So that is a very big focus for us over the next 12 months in particular. Um, we've got some really exciting initiatives 
but we've also got a space that we can um, continue to step into where there is an ongoing need for leadership in the global community, particularly around sustainable food production. So I'd say to you know, New Zealanders abroad looking to come home, one thing that we have to offer right now um, are jobs and opportunities, you know, and I'd like to think um, innovative and exciting jobs and opportunities. Uh, you can see we've got a really tight labour market right now, 3.2%. That is record lows. We need people's skills and talent back in New Zealand. So I'd like to think that New Zealanders can expect to, to be um, hunted for when they, come, when they come home. It is very expensive to live here at the moment, though living costs are very high. We're seeing the, you know, the price of food going up a lot at the moment and also uh, homes. It's, it's an ongoing problem for Aotearoa. What is the government going to be looking at this year to ensure that we can see these things change? It's been a conversation we've had for a long time, but how do we make sure it happens quickly? Two significant issues that we're experiencing right now um, that are causing, uh, you know, uh, jumps in inflation uh, are the price of um, crude oil, and that's a global experience right now. It's gone up even 20, over 20% since December alone. So that's a big contributing factor. Uh, and the second contributing factor is, yes, you know, we're, um, we're in a bit of a construction boom at the moment. We are... Uh, have a large number of infrastructure projects as a government and also housing consents are at record levels because we need more housing. But building costs are going up because of supply chain constraints. So those are all things that we are working really diligently on. We need to transition um, uh, away from fossil fuels that mean that we are in a situation where at the whim of those global prices. And when it comes to housing, we know we need to keep building. That is what's going to make housing ultimately more affordable is by having more supply. Um, I talked a lot yesterday about our plans in all of those areas. You'll hear people equally talking about their expectation that prices will plateau away this year in the housing market. All of that is a combination of a lot of the work that we're doing to try and get the heat out of that market and to make housing more affordable. Well, we are a few days after Waitangi Day now and a very different Waitangi Day for Aotearoa this year with not a lot in the way of um, commemorations or celebrations going on across the Motu. How did you experience it? Because this is, a, I mean, a very singular moment in history. So, you know, for, for me it's become a tradition now to be in the north for not one day but several days over the period of Waitangi. And the, so this was the first time in many years that um, I was I was not there, but I'm looking forward to, to getting back. Um, I did uh, visit a, a few several weeks prior. So the Waitangi National Trust still wanted to have the pōhiri. They still wanted to have the um, service that is part of the commemoration, so they could be broadcast. So there were elements that were traditional. But, you know, my, my hope is that this is regardless of where we are or what we're doing, that it's a day of reflection, that we use it to think about where we are in our relationship um, and where we need to go. And so for me, a big reflection was over the next year, we've got a big piece of work, for instance, one example is our health reforms to try and drive uh, change and reduce health inequalities in New Zealand between um, uh, Māori uh, and uh, the rest of the population because at the moment they experience worse health outcomes. That's a really good example of where we have to change the way we do things if we are going to be a good treaty partner. And as a treaty partner, what is Tino Rangatiratanga to you at the moment and how do you see that sitting alongside the way the government's moving this year? Yeah, well, of course, you know, actually, again, I would come back to, um, I would come back to a really practical example. 
so I'm really mindful of the role that we need to play um, as uh, government and the role that we have to then work to together to ensure that, that we our communities and Māori in particular do have a voice in the in the healthcare, for instance, that they receive, that they are able to determine uh, their own well-being. And this is where we've seen health is a really good example of where that just hasn't been ha happening in the provision of services. So that's why we've got the Māori Health Authority to bring those principles into the way that we're delivering healthcare. My hope is that over time we'll see that gap currently where our Māori are dying younger where our um, tamariki are more likely, the mortality rate is higher, where you're more likely to um, uh, die of cancer uh, if you're Māori. All of that changes because we are bringing those principles into the way that we're rolling out our, our um, health services. The very final thing I just wanted to get your thoughts on, because it's also 70 years of uh, Queen Elizabeth's coronation, which yeah. coincided with Waitangi Day. You said last year that you believe in your lifetime we'll see New Zealand as a republic. Do you still think that? And do you think there's any increased urgency in the public sentiment around that? Yeah, I do still think in my um, lifetime, some might ask, how long do I think I'm going to live for then? Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's, I don't sense, I don't sense any um, urgency around it now. I don't sense any desire. And if anything, probably, you know, things like a pandemic really focus, focuses the mind and it's just not a priority for people that I sense. Uh, and so probably at the moment I sense, a, you know, a little less conversation over it than perhaps uh, several years ago. Um, but I do, I do still think my lifetime. But New Zealand's unique. You know, we we do have some pretty big conversations that need to be had if we are going to transition um, uh, away from our current um, arrangements, um, and that that's the work that needs to be done. In well, the meantime, I think probably regardless if you're a monarchist or a republican, I still think you'd want to acknowledge the role that the Queen has played on behalf of New Zealand and just a life of service, which I think is amazing. Thank you very much for your time this morning, Prime Minister. It's always great to have you on the show. Uh, take care and we'll talk to you in a few weeks' time. Namahi. Take care. Kia ora. That was What's Up with Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern.